is about to come. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. The pain is banished. Aston Villa celebrates the pleasure of promotion to the Premier League. Hello and welcome back to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FineFoy, and I'm joined once again by Mark. Hello everybody, it's uh, Mark hanging out here. Really, really excited about the promotion. You can find me at, uh, on Twitter at VillaMarkPGH. Hope everybody's doing well, hope everybody's excited for the summer. Uh, yeah, before we get into the podcast, we've got some uh, exciting news personally as a blog. Um all of our content is now featured and available on uh, the One Football app and website. Uh, this isn't a sponsored uh, advertisement or anything. We're literally just informing you that if you have the One Football app, if you if you use their website for any reason, then you'll be able to find our content on there. And the good thing about that is that you'll you'll now get push notifications. Uh, maybe a couple of hours late. But you'll get push notifications about our latest articles, which is, is something that's really good for us and we're immensely proud of, but it's also something that's really good for the readers as well. Yeah, I can't say enough about it. I've been using the One Football app for a long time. Again, it's not an advertisement. We're just really happy about the fact that you know we're able to get our stuff featured on that. It's re- really cool, especially for me, you know, to see a push notification of an article that I wrote about. It's really awesome. It, you know, and the only reason we were able to do this is from the support of our listeners and readers. Thank you guys so much. It's, this is a really big thing for us moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, what what else is pretty big for not only us but the the club and the rest of the content community is that the fact that Aston Villa are in the Premier League, Mark. Oh baby, you know you know I'm excited. I I think I talked to you throughout the day. I'm I'm absolutely just just so excited about about the future. Uh, it's it's been over a thousand days in the championship, and I'm so glad to see it in the rearview mirror. But you know, there's a lot of work to be done. It's going to be a difficult journey ahead. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad to be out of the championship, but I, I can't deny that I'm. I'm gonna miss it. You know, it's one of those leagues where anyone can beat anybody, um, and, and you don't really have the the behemoths of Liverpool and Manchester City uh, sitting at the foot of the table, uh, season in, season out. I completely agree with that sentiment. Uh, I I thought the championship is very very exciting, even even when we weren't necessarily doing so well this past year, years before. Uh, you just you never know on any given day. Um, it, it's the same in the prem sometimes, but it, it's like that almost every single fixture when you're in the championship. And you know it was it was fun while it lasted, but uh, we're not looking back. We're not going that way. Yeah. Uh, so how how did you feel about the final? You know what 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 did you make of the game? Um, you know, let's talk about that for a little bit. Uh, the the game at Wembley, I, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't think Villa played their best game. Um, I, I don't think that a lot of people would, you know, a lot of really knowledgeable footballers would think that we played overly well. Uh, periods, we played really well, uh, you know, as a spectacle. It was great to see that many people, you know, at Wembley. It's always such a, such a great occasion. I was nervous throughout the entire thing. Um, I barely even celebrated uh, El Ghazi's goal because I, I looked at my buddy Adam standing left of me in the pub, and I was like, that's one. And he's screaming his head off and beer's going everywhere. And I'm like, that's one. We're going to need more than one today. So I, I was a little nervous. I mean, I, I don't know about you. It was just one of those things where, you know, I, I don't have fingernails left and the whole <laughs> nine yards. It, it was just one of those one of those situations where I, I was – I don't – I mean, I, I walked outside at halftime and someone asked me if I was sick because I was completely white. I was that nervous that, like, my complexion changed. 
I I was nervous up until we scored, um, and then all the nerves went. I knew that once we'd scored that first goal, that 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 was it. I think the game was won. Um, obviously, in in the back of your head, you're thinking like you know, there's always the chance that we could still lose this, but. I was just so confident from how we'd, how we'd played against Derby uh, at other points in the season that the first goal just you know, filled me with confidence that we were going to actually achieve what we set out to. It was actually the team selection at Derby County that um that kind of, it didn't surprise me. I mean, I don't understand Jack Marriott not, not coming in um, to start. That, that was a little strange to me. He, he's a really, really good talent for them. So that, that gave me a, a little bit of hope. Like I said, Villa didn't play their best game, but Villa didn't necessarily had to because Derby County didn't play their best game either. Um, you know, and that's that's pretty much what I said going into the game is this is an actual coin flip. Uh, it could be any team on any, any given day that wins it. Uh, there was so much on the line. There was so much hype, you know, leading up to it. There was an extended period of time where we're waiting around for this game to happen. But it, I always felt that Villa would pull it through. I think we actually said on the last podcast, you know, we were talking about, you know, who, who's your hero? And I said, Anwar Al-Ghazi. Did not see it happening from a header or the shoulder, whatever it came off of. I didn't see that coming. I don't know about you, though. I thought that El Ghazi would have a good game. And um, in fact, if you scroll back through our Twitter or Facebook, about 40 minutes before the game kicked off, I uh, I posted a picture of El Ghazi smiling as he walked into Embley. And I put it with the caption, he knows. And I, I wasn't wrong. No, you were you were wrong. I don't know why. I just have a feeling about him. I just think he's one of those kind of game breaking forwards that can just. I think he can really get into a game when it's really on the line, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be when the chips are down. It's just it's just a big game, or you need to pick up a big three points to you know keep yourself in, in a league position. It just seems like he he's able to be there when he's called upon. He 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 played really well. I think he was the best player on the pitch at Wembley. Other people say Connor Horahan was. And, you know, Connor did have a good game as far as tracking back and intercepting passes. And then, you know, he he's the one for the El Ghazi goal that you know uh, clip clips the ball down to his feet and then sprays it out wide and everything. But but for me, it had to be for me. It's Anwar El Ghazi. He he just looked like such a threat down that side of the pitch. And I'm I'm so hoping that Villa can keep him. I think I think that's a lot bigger of a signing than a lot of people would realize if we get him in in the summer. Yeah, and we'll we'll discuss that later. But firstly, I want I want to ask you a question. Um, did you cry? I didn't cry at the pub. I didn't cry when I got food afterwards. But when I got in private by myself, I was inconsolable. Uh, if if you were standing anywhere around my apartment, you would have heard the ugliest cry you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> I am not ashamed to say that I cried too, and I'm sure the vast majority of people listening to this or that, that, that follow us on on any platform would also agree that they cried as well. Yeah, it was it was it was emotional for me. I came in and I I took the uh, the jersey off and uh, I went to fold it and put it back into where I keep all my kits at. And uh, I w- for whatever reason I opened up the drawer and it's uh, the drawer is only for Villa kits. And there's probably about 15, I think I'm up to 17 now, 17 kits. And I go to fold it up real nice and everything. I put it in there and I just, for whatever reason, I just stop and I looked. And I'm seeing all these kids from throughout the years of me following Villa. And for whatever reason, Regan, that did it. <laughs> and I was I was a puddle for the next about 15 minutes. And that drawer, that drawer was open. I'm just standing there looking at it, just crying my eyes out. And I mean, it, it, but it means that much. And not only to me, but just so many people. I mean, that this is where this club belongs. Everybody knows that's where this club belongs. But yeah, I was, I was a puddle of nerves. I, I'm not I'm not too too afraid to admit that. <laughs> How did you end up celebrating the win? Um, I actually couldn't do much celebrating. I had to work the next day. Um, so my, my celebrations were a little subdued. 
uh, after the cry, I, you know, grabbed a beer and I'm calling friends and they're calling me and I'm talking to people on social media and stuff like that. So my celebrations weren't too, too crazy, but, um, you know, it's worth the next day. I, 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 you know, I, I've told you, I've said it on the podcast, I'm a chef for a living. So there's nothing worse than being hung over in a 120 degree kitchen. So I try to avoid that as much as possible. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely, I definitely got my celebrating in, but it was, it was definitely, uh, subdued compared to you know the likes of mings or grealish and the rest of the boys yeah understandable let's let's uh, delve a bit deeper into the actual game then um anwar al we were just talking about just a few minutes ago he was the first scorer of the match um getting on to the end of an el mohammed cross uh in ju- i think it was just a minute or two before the heart that before the end of the first half um and you know hurhan controls the ball um, whips out pretty much a first-time pass out wide, uh, which Adoma manages to keep in uh, before playing it back to Al Mohamedi, who's in acres of space. They, you know, the overload on Ashley Cole there really worked wonders, and Al Mohamedi whips in this inch-perfect ball, and Anwar's there. Um, obviously, it looks like it's a diving header, but it actually hits off his shoulder. But you know, it's, it's he's getting into the kind of position that you know, you know, you you'd expect him to get into. Um, and if he'd have been getting in those positions earlier in the season, we might have ended up finishing higher than we actually did. Yeah, I agree. The goal itself, it actually, for me, when I actually saw it happen, um, other than, you know, looking over and saying, we're, we're going to need more than one goal today. And I'm watching the replay happen on the television. And I look up and I'm like, man, that mirrors the Jack goal against Blues where he headed it in. And it was almost like, I don't know if that's a, that's a set play or anything like that, but it was like really, really similar. And I did, I thought it came off his head until about yesterday, uh, El Ghazi's head, you know, in, at Wembley. Um, yeah, he's just, just such a, ta- that entire series of play. And you talk about, you know, try to overload Ashley Cole's side of the, of the field. And many, many, many people talked about that, that as something that Villa could go towards. And they did. And they did it with a lot of success. It didn't always come off, but I mean, it was, it was pretty successful. And, you know, the goal was, was, was definitely indicative of that. Uh, El Mohamedy just, I mean, he's not, not to know what he, he's going to do next season, but he had a second half of the season to remember it, you, you can't really say enough about him. Yeah, for sure. He, he was, a uh, you know, he really earned his Mr. Consistent title. Um, I've, we've, we've written an article about it that went out earlier in the week. Um, but he, he's had so many games where he's achieved over a seven match rating, um, within the last 14 games and you know that's some, that's something that's not easily achievable especially within the championship where anything can happen yeah and his, his stats were off the chart this year about passes in the final third and crosses and yeah some of his crosses might all, not always come off and they, they might actually be way way off target but the ones that are on it's getting into threatening positions and that that's a tough thing to do when Villa played you know with one striker up top you know they're hoping that you know midfielders rush into the box or right outside the area to be able to slot in a goal He's done a wonderful, wonderful job, you know, in the last half of the season, and he's consistent on both sides of the balls. That's the craziest part about it. Like, yeah, he's north of thirty, but he's not. He hasn't played like it in the past four or five months now, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with him going into the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, in the last fourteen games of the season, he missed six minutes of football, and those six minutes were an extra time in the second leg of the playoff semi-final against Baggies. Where he was replaced by Keenan Davis, I think it was. Um, so, though he he's he's almost like you know not not needed to have been subbed off just because he's been doing so well. But he's 
he's impressed that much and become such a vital part that it's going to be really hard to potentially see him um, drop down to more of a rotation option next season, perhaps. Yeah, and I, I, it, there's a there's a big big uh, you know mashup right now for the right back position. Uh, there, there's just I mean you got Gilbert coming in and all that kind of stuff, but I mean he's he's been very consistent and again on both sides of the ball. I, I don't think that he gets stripped the, the first choice until he loses it himself. I, and he, he seems to really like being at Villa. He was all smiles and jumping around and the champagne, the whole nine yards at Wembley. And I'm sure this is, you know, a big, a big moment for him. It's, it's not his first, but I mean, it's definitely a big moment for him. And, you know, if, if he can even keep up, even just, even like he drops for him just a little bit, even, I mean, I still think that can get the job done in the Prem, but I mean, we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah, but you know it was it was uh, the other L in the team that came up trumps again. Uh, El Ghazi, he he cut inside. Uh, I think it was just before the 60th minute, so it was literally only 15, 14, 15 minutes uh, after the first Villa goal. Um, you know, cuts inside onto his right foot and fires towards goal, and it's blocked really awkwardly and drop into a uh, Kel Roos, the Derby goalkeeper. But uh, John McGinn finds himself there and actually jumps higher than uh, than Roos and heads it home. Um, something I want to point out is the way that Roos was was uh, almost waiting for the ball to drop into his arms rather than you know goalkeepers are taught that you need to you need to catch it at its highest point. Um, you know you, you don't want to let it drop closer to your chest or closer to you because that gives the the opposition more of a more of a chance to actually turn that ball into a goal or an opportunity. But Roos, obviously he's on the young, um, waits for the ball to, to drop so he can clutch it to his chest. And a five foot four John McGinn is there, jumps high, and heads it home for the Villa. Yeah, and Roos didn't look very comfortable in the game, even leading up to this goal. I mean, I know it was the second goal of the game, and he, and he let the first one in from El Ghazi, you know, in a far post cross and everything. But, I mean, he, he just he didn't look comfortable at all. There was a couple times where he, he's kicking the ball out. Uh, there was that one uh, sequence, if I can remember correctly, uh, John McGinn's pressuring him off of his off of Roos's right-hand side. And he it almost looked like he didn't know what to do, and he just boots the ball out to touch. Um you know, like basically just like a 15-yard pass out into the touchline for a throw. And uh, he, he just looked really, really nervous. And, and again, um, Roos isn't a bad keeper per se. I mean, he's young. He is out of contract, so that's not doing much for him, you know, as far as his performance in the final. But, I mean, John McGinn just, again, just being an absolute terror out there. And, and he'll, he gets it done any which way he can. Uh, this, the second goal was massive. You, you can't say enough about it. And it's, it's a scrummy goal but you know Villa have put more than a few of those in this throughout the uh, championship season I, I think that that you needed that goal exactly when you got it yeah it might be a little bit of nervousness from Roos but you know Villa's going to take those kind of goals anytime they can get them yeah definitely I, I, I feel a bit sorry for uh, Villa ladies playing Nadine Hansen because obviously she's got her uh, Aston Villa affiliations by being part of the ladies team but uh, her boyfriend is Kel Roos um, so she she was almost supporting both sides. Uh, well, I did not know that. That's some that's some good research there. I didn't know that at all. Well, no, we we interviewed her. Um, we interviewed her earlier in the season, and I personally asked her if it's a derby and a uh, Aston Villa final, who are you supporting? And she said, if Kelly's playing, I'm I'm going to support Derby because it's it's a big opportunity for him. Um, so I I feel I do feel sorry for Nadine because. Um, you know, she's well, half of us going to be like, "Wow, I'm I'm a, a ladies player for a Premier League team, 
and the other half's going to be like, but my boyfriend is absolutely gutted that he's just missed out on promotion to the Premier League. Right, I'm sure that's a tough thing, and Nadine's a wonderful personality and everything. As long as she didn't have one of those cringy, like, half-and-half half shirts on, I'm totally okay with it. Um, nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with supporting your significant other and what they're doing, anything like that. But, I mean, yeah, he just didn't have the greatest game he i'm sure i'm sure he knows that you know um yeah i just looked very very nervy and uh wherever he ends up i'm sure he'll be a talent for for years to come yeah I, that's one thing you know you always see that goalkeepers are a bit shaky when they're younger um some of them can be shaky when they're older but like look at de gea when he first started at man united um you know he he wasn't the the, the, the world beater that he is now so I'm sure Kelrus has a bright future ahead of him, regardless of, of his poorish performance against Villa. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure he'll he'll bounce back just fine. Uh, he's he's tall, he's athletic. It was I think it was just one of those games where Villa, Villa wanted it so bad, and they were going to get that goal any which way they could possibly get it. And and you saw it. It's it's two goals that aren't, aren't the prettiest. You know, it's not a screamer from outside of the box. It's not. You know, Tammy Abraham putting the moves on somebody with his feet to put it in, and you know, it, it's. It's just one of those games, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be just fine. Yeah. Um, Tyrone Mings is someone that I want to talk about. Um, because at, at the time, I was in a bit of two minds. Um, he he makes this absolute like game-changing tackle when uh, Derby are literally one-on-one. Uh, he races back, sticks a leg out, completely flattens the Derby defender, but wins the ball first. Um, and he he puts it out towards the corner flag um, but injures himself in the process it's a heroic slide tackle and you know something that Villa fans will remember for years to come but in the process of this he's injured himself and he's sat on the floor the ball doesn't go out and he gets played back into the box for uh, Marriott to to fire towards goal and uh, it, it bounces off Wag- Wagon's toe and goes into the net so th- there's, there's part, part of me that thinks Maybe you should have just let him have the shot. You know, it would have been a goal regardless. Um, and there's part of me that thinks, you know, he's he's a hero for what he did. But the fact that we we were a man down uh, for then the 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 next attack, um, you know, it makes it feel like it was almost worthless him him getting injured for. Yeah, it's a defender's mentality. I, when you're a defender, I mean we. We've seen it a couple times this year that where you're going to lay your body out on the line regardless, and the thought's not going through your head in the moment that you may hurt yourself or that something something bad could come out of you just trying to defend your end of the pitch. Uh, I think that shows heart from Mings before it really shows anything else, and he's literally, for me, one of the better defenders we've seen in a long time at Villa. I know he's just on loan as of right now, and I know there's a lot of rumors circulating around him at the moment. I really feel that that's something Villa needs to look at to get him in. As long as Bournemouth doesn't want in a crazy, crazy fee for him, I mean, we, Villa's going to have to spend frugal. And I know everybody's still on the buzz about getting promoted, and everybody's still in complete jubilation mode. Um, just like the no parade thing with with uh, Perslow and Dean Smith saying, you know, we don't have parades for, you know, effectively finishing third on on the table to get promoted. That is true. I just I don't think you're going to see. Villa try to do it like Fulham did and, and spend the 100 mil or anything like that. But Tyrone Mings is not only a, a gifted physical specimen as far as his ability on a football pitch, he also has the personality. I've written about it. You've written about it. He, he's a wonderful person. He, he, he 
he's been through so much, and you can tell what this meant to him. I, I don't think that he goes back to Bournemouth and is able to find that in his heart and in his soul to play for Bournemouth like he did for Villa. I, I know it's a crazy statement, but I, I really think that he fell in love here. He fell in love with the supporters. He fell in love with the club. He fell in love with the players that he's playing with. He fell in love with the staff. It, you you have to keep someone like that around. I, I, I just think, you know, the, the heroicism that he's shown since being here, and it's even been a short time in, in terms of, of how long a season is, but the heroicism and everything else uh, about him, I, I think that's a player that you need. You need someone to put their body on the line. You need someone to be able to just leave it all out there to empty the tank every single time he's on the pitch. And I really hope he comes to Villa, but you know, if the price tag's too high, we, we have to look elsewhere. I think the rumoured amount is around $15 million, because uh, Bournemouth signed, I can't remember his name, but Bristol City defender, um, for around 30 to $40 million. So they're looking to recuperate that money that they spent um, so I th- to be fair, I think fifteen million is a fair price in today's market. He's still relatively young. He's an obviously English talent. English talents uh, you pay a premium for. So I would spend fifteen million on Mings as long as we're frugal in other areas. Right, I can agree with that. I think the fifteen million that's that's being rumored and thrown about, I think that's fair. But you know. Bournemouth seems like the type of club that, like, hey, we just offered this guy a contract not too long ago. He still has a lot of time left on that contract. I mean, but they, they have center backs, too, that, that, that play really well. And, you know, like, I think it, uh, Nathan Ake, I think he played every single minute of this past season for Bournemouth. I think that's what the statistic was that I read. Um, so they, they have their version of Tyrone Mings already, if that makes any sense. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with 15. I'm not okay with anything really past that. I think that we can pick up quality center backs, but it would just hurt me personally because, like I said, he's, he's such a passionate individual. He seems like such a wonderful man, and I think that you need that kind of family in-house atmosphere for Aston Villa moving forward if we're really going to make a go of it and we're really going to stay up in the Prem for years and years to come. I, I can see us signing Minks for 15. I think we'll sign Courtney Hawes, who we'll get onto in a minute, on his impact on the, on the playoff final. And um, I think he'll cost around two and a half million. And I think we'll sign Johan Barbe from Brentford on a free transfer, um, unless he's renewed his contract since the last time I checked. Um, Because that leaves us then with a a decent number of centre-back options. You know, we'll have Courtney Hawes, we'll have Tyro Mings, we'll have James Chester, we'd have Johan Barbe, and we'd also have Jednak if he gets a contract extension. Yeah, and that, that's really what it's about. It's not only revitalizing a core with some of these players that are up on, with Tommy Elphick being up on contract, rather, but like it, it's getting Premier League talent or talent that's ready to take that step up to the Premier League. Like it, It's go time now. This is serious business. It's, it's not just like, oh, yeah, we can. You know, I'm okay with Mila Yedin not getting a one year contract. I really am. Because he, he's proven that he wants to be here and, you know, through not being, you know, played very much and now playing in a different position. Um, I think he'd like I, I, to. I think for me, if we if we give a contract extension to Whelan and Yedinak, they need they need drops in their wages. Oh yeah, I think that goes without saying. But I think that they'd be okay with that at their, this stage of their career. Um, it's almost one of those things where you know Dean Smith has talked crazy amount of how much those two players with Yednak and Whelan, how much they run the show in training, and they're always trying to get the best out of the younger guys. Um, I'm okay with that if if they know that that's their role. Um, hey, you're you're not going to play anywhere north of. I don't know, maybe 10, 15 apps, but we're going to need you 
to be in training to get these guys going. If someone's slacking, we need you to, you know, to put a boot into them. You know, if, if, if something's wrong with them, we need you to almost kind of be that mentor figure. I think Whelan and, and Yednak are already that for Aston Villa, but they're going to need to know that their wages have to be considerably dropped. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I want to track back a little bit to, to Courtney Hawes. Uh, Hawes replaced Mings with, at the time, around four minutes to go until until full-time. Um, and then, obviously, the seven minutes of extra time, which is ludicrous uh, amount of added time, if you ask me. I thought it was more like five. Um, well, it should have been more like five, should I say. Um, and, and Hawes didn't look like he'd just jumped into the game. He, he looked like he was, you know, he'd been playing the full 90, um, any ball that came towards him, he was either heading out or he was clearing. Uh, there was a one or two occasions where he, he tried to play out from the back. Um, and he, I think he definitely had a, an impact on the game in a very short span of time. I think he had a wonderful impact on the game. And it, it's hard coming into that kind of situation. you got to think it's, you know, like you said, four minutes until the actual, you know, full time of the 90. Um, he hasn't been on the pitch all game. He's pretty much going out there, not warmed up, anything like that with Mings going down. And then he comes in and puts on for, for a defender and, and with those stakes on the line to get into the Premier League, with the crowd being as crazy as it was, you know, with other players that are around you that are completely gassed, that have really not much left to give. And he looked really, really, really well in defense. I, I, th- I thought he was he had a really, really good game for how much time he was on there, but I think that shows how much he wants to be here. Um, he gets no game time if he goes back to Wolves. Let's be honest about it. It's not it's He's just not going to get game time there. Um, it, the obvious step is for Villa to, you know, activate that clause in the loan agreement to, to purchase him. I, I think that's what's going to happen if it's not already done. It just hasn't been reported yet or released from the club. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens on that front. But I think Courtney Horst is a wonderful, you know, young footballer. I, th- I think he'd be a really, really good center back in the Prem. I'm not saying that he's going to, you know, blow it up and, you know, call ups and this, that and the other. But I think he's solid for what Villa would need to do in the first you know, first year to three years of us being back in the Prem. Yep, and he's still young. He fits the mould. Um, and that's what's important, that we don't really stray out of that mould. Yeah, and that's, you know, you now have the coach saying it. You have other people, you know, in, in the in the boardroom saying it. You know, Dean Smith has a model for how he wants his team to be. We have to follow that. We have to trust in his ability, trust in his judgment, trust the, the scouting staff. Perslow said it on that video on the Aston Villa official YouTube. You know, they've gotten some new scouts in over the past six months. They've gotten some new people, to, you know, that they haven't had before and, you know, bring something fresh, bring something new, you know, scouting, recruitment, the whole nine yards. So let, let's trust in that. Let, let's let's have this vision that Dean Smith has in his mind to move Aston Villa Football Club forward. You have to put everything into that. And, you know, I, you're seeing all these crazy links to all these players that are out of contract. I mean, believe it or not, I had an argument with someone last night about if we should sign uh, Samir Nasri. We don't want that at the club. We, I, I, I get it. Everybody has an opinion. I'm not saying I'm 100% right, but we can't be these, these players that are over it on super high wages. That's not going to get us anywhere. We need our own squad, our own players, our own legends. And I, I think that's exactly what you're going to see from Villa. If they can stay up for the next one to three years, those, those legends will be solidified. Everything will work out for the club. Something that I, I, I kind of want to want to throw out there is that I, I really think we're going to sign a, a Spanish talent this, this summer. And I don't think it's going to be... I think we've been linked with a 28-year-old. 
Um, I can't remember the team that he plays for, but I don't think it's going to be anyone that like that kind of player. But with uh, Jesus Garcia Patash, um as our sporting director, he's brought in Juan Fran, who used to play for Atletico Madrid as a right back, as a, one of our one of our leading scouts. So I would be really surprised if Juan Fran hasn't identified a number of young Spanish talents that would fit the mould. And we could very well see a, a young Spanish right winger, midfielder, defender, striker joining the club that we might not have heard of before. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Uh, through my own little research, Suso has a very, very large reach in terms of recruitment as, as far as influence with a couple of these clubs. And like you said, with Juan Fran as well, you know, joining the uh, joining the mold, I'm sure he has his own contacts as well. So, yeah, it could be something where we get a player in and people are like, who's this guy? I've never heard of him. You know, and then it brings up the whole thing of people searching him on YouTube. And, you know, every every footballer looks good on YouTube. But it's the fact of, you know, we're, we're on a new recruitment. We, we got new scouts and everything like that. I do trust in Suso as far as his Spanish connections. And again, with Juan Fran, with his uh, Spanish connections. But it could be a case of that, that we bring in someone who's 26 to 28 years old that, you know, Villa fans will never, ever heard of unless they're really deeply embedded in the Spanish game for one reason or another. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Like I said, our own legends, our own players, you know, it, it was doing the loan thing was fun, but I don't want to get back to that. We need our own players here. I, I don't want it to be next year, you know, regardless of what happens, being like, oh, I wonder if we can buy this guy that we had on loan again. Like, <clears> the, t- the time for that is over. For, for me, I, I want to reverse what we've been doing. So I want to sign young, sign hungry, and if we need to fill gaps, then loan old. That is the way that I think it should be because right. you're, not imp- you're not improving those players anymore. If, right. Let's let, let's say Gary Cahill. Uh, I know he's out of contract at the end of the season, but let's say he, he signed a season extension with Chelsea. Wasn't getting any games. We need defensive cover. Sign Gary Cahill on a loan. You know what I mean? We we need to improve our own players and solidify with players that can't be improved anymore. Yeah, I'm right there with you. If we're going to do loans, it's got to be on the basis of backup. It's not on the basis of starter. It's not on the basis of even like consistent rotation I guess would be the best way to say it but we got we have to develop our own and that's the Dean Smith model and I'm sure he wasn't happy about the fact that he's going to lose Tammy Abraham to Chelsea that looks like that's going to be that's going to happen I'm sure he's not happy about that you know it it's it's a new era basically I know it's getting up and people say oh you know Dean Smith and promotion and we're going to walk this league come come on uh, it, it's it's a it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. It's going to be a process. We we seem to have the right people in place that know what they're doing, that that have many 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 years of expertise doing what they're doing. We have to trust in that. And again, if, if the loan thing you know is, happens and we have to get these players in on loan, I'd much rather it be as a backup option. And I'm okay with them being older. I'm okay with them being more experienced. I'm even okay with some of their physicals, you know, taking a dive, but it, it has to be purely on a backup standpoint. The last, last ditch option. It, it can't be to try to have a marquee signing as a loan with a buy-in clause. I don't think Villa's going to succeed with that kind of stuff. No, and if we do, if we do loan players and they are young players, then we do need a buy clause there. Right, yeah, for the young players. But if you have someone who's 31, 32, that, that's basically just going to be covering in case there's an injury on the right wing, there's no reason to put a, a mandatory, uh, just to throw a figure off my head, a $6 million buying clause. You're just, you're just pissing money away at that point. Yeah. So let's let's rewind it back again. And, you know, the seven, last seven minutes, the seven minutes of added time in this game were, were God, probably the most harrowing moment of my life. Um, I was sat there, you know, hand, hands around my face, just waiting for that whistle to go. And 
it did, and Aston Villa found themselves returning to the Premier League. Um, and you know, the, the celebrations continued, not even well into the night, well into the week. Um, many players were seen gathering on the Hilton Hotel on the on the balcony there, uh, starting chants with the supporters below on street level. Uh, Jack was seen singing um, "Shit on the City." Um, Tyrone was singing uh, Villa Boys from Aston, the LALA song. Um, and he was still in his villa kit. And, um, you know, pictures after the game showed that he didn't get out that kit for quite some time. A um, couple of days after, I, I believe. But uh, something I want to cover on his uh, party boy Jack Grealish. Um, he was absolutely living the dream. Well after the the Wembley promotion, um, I'm pretty sure he was still absolutely steaming uh, come Wednesday midday. Yeah, uh, for me, and I'll, I'll just put this out there, Jack Grealish can do whatever he wants. And it's it's not a thing anymore where embarrassing pictures are popping up or anything like that. This man deserves to celebrate. This is boyhood club. He 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 said it after the game at Wembley. You know, we win everything, and he's he's having his interviews with Sky and everything like that. And he's he's got the trophy in his hand, and they're asking him. And he was really really frank. He was like, I didn't even think I'd be here past this summer. You know, and that that just shows how serious it was that he wasn't going to be here. You know, it's his boyhood club. He's come up through the ranks, the whole nine yards. You know, captain of the club had a fan, fantastic season after coming back from uh, injury. I, I'm totally okay with with him, you know, being out there and and doing his thing and celebrating in his own way. He deserves it. Can can you imagine how how that would feel? That's what I keep telling people. There are a few people on social media that are Villa supporters saying, "Oh, you know, he's he's got to calm down. He's got to calm down." Like, you know, it's we got promoted. It's great. No, no, I'm I'm. I'm not buying that at all. Let that man celebrate. You see how much it meant to him. You see, you know, like if you if you're a Villa supporter, you know what Jack's gone through. You know what this means to him. He didn't want to leave this club, but he was almost forced to back in the summer. And then you turn it around a year later. You you went from from wind up notices to lift, lifting a, a trophy and being promoted to the Premier League. Like that's that's Hollywood stuff. You, you don't you don't see that happen every day. So I'm okay with, with, with Jack celebrating. I, hell of a man, hell of a person. I, seeing him sing with all the supporters at, at the Hilton Hotel was amazing. And, it, you know, the, the scenes and all the video and all the pictures that, that got out there in 48 hours' time is, is wonderful. We're all going to look back on those moments and smile being Villa supporters. Could you imagine if we'd have got promoted this season but Jack had have left last summer? Imagine that would have, how would have, how that would have felt, you know. He obviously it'll be hind, it's 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 hindsight now, but you know, he he's 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 probably sitting there thinking, if I'd have left, I would never have been made Villa captain. I'd have never have lifted that trophy at Wembley. I'd have never have led my boyhood club back into the Premier League and solidified myself as a legend. You know, it's great to have these hindsight moments, but. It, imagine he, he. I imagine he's sitting there thinking, "I'm so glad that I didn't." Oh, he he has to, and I, you know what? I I I'm pretty sure that all those emotions and all those thoughts that you just said, I'm sure that clicked with him well before the playoff final. It probably was around the the winning streak of I don't know, probably the seventh or eighth game winning in a row. Of, all of this could have never happened if I would have left. What 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 did I almost do for money? Basically, you know, that's that, that's basically it, you know, to or to for experience of playing for England. Now he has that chance to do that. 
you don't don't think for a second that that if, if Villa happened to be 14th in the, in the Premier League come January that he doesn't get a call up for one reason or another. Yeah, that that that's how much this means to him personally. That's how much this means to him professionally. And, and yeah, yeah, again, we're we're both talking in hindsight right now. But you know, if he did leave and we still somehow got promoted through the playoffs, he, it, I could not imagine how low he would have felt. I, I, I couldn't imagine it. I'm so glad he stuck around. I think he for sure stays at Villa now, no matter what. Um, even in the, you know, I don't don't want to jinx or curse or anything like that, but, you know, in the event that we go right back down, I still think he stays here. Even if someone activates a, rele- a relegation clause in his contract, if he even has one, I still think he stays here because now he knows that feeling of, okay, I can get this team to where I want to go as the captain of my boyhood club. It doesn't happen every day. It does, it, that's, that's such an un- uncommon occurrence. He, he, he's Villa through and through, and we love him to death, and he knows we love him to death, and it, it's it's got to stay that way. He, he's he's our linchpin now. I don't see him going anywhere else. You mentioned that you think he'll get called up to the England squad if we're sat in about fourteenth. I think we'll get he'll get called up to the England squad whether we're we're first or we're flirting with relegation. You know, I I think Southgate literally said he just needs to be playing Premier League football. I don't think that matters whether Villa lose every single game. I think he'll get called up the first friendlies next season. He'll be in the England squad. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was referring to. I mean, because most of the time, like players that are doing well get caught up to England because the club's also doing well. But I think you're right. I think it's one of those cases that it doesn't matter for rock bottom come January or whenever, you know, he, he needs whenever the call-ups do to happen. I, I think he gets it regardless. I mean... Yeah, I so, mean, uh, look at look at Fabian Delph. The obviously no longer at the club uh, through unharmonious circumstances, but um, the season that he left, the the season before that, we were we were flirting with relegation, and he still made it into the England squad on a number of occasions. And I'm pretty sure it was a Euros that year. I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it was the Euros that year. Over that or a World Cup, and he made it into the squad as an Aston Villa player, even though we were flirting with relegation. So, you know, I think, yeah, regardless of what happens next year, Jack's, Jack's in the England squad and the, the country will actually see what a talent he is. Yeah, he deserves it. Even Frank Lampard was giving him giant, giant praise 15, 20 minutes after losing a, a playoff promotion final. You know, he was saying how, how great of a player he was and, and he can be one of the, you know, a really, really good player for England for his call-up. He's going to get there. I mean, people are starting to take notice just how good some of these players at Villa are and... That, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, you know, because we can brag all we want on a biased standpoint of, oh, no, we have a really good team. Villa's a very good squad. But from the outside, people are going, yeah, but Villa plays in the championship. How good can they possibly be? So now, you know, you have the psychology of these players that are good, that want to prove to themselves. Connor Horahane, he's moved up through the ranks. You don't think he's hungry to get out there and, and play Watford? You don't think he's hungry to go, go to Anfield to play Liverpool and show what he got? it's all positive things right now as far as mentality and, and psychology of these players in the club. Everything seems like it's moving forward and, you know, you're going to get, you know, a couple of players that get call-ups that maybe haven't had call-ups before. And then the guys that do have international experience are just going to get more international experience. There's, there's very, very few negatives for Aston Villa moving forward right now. Yeah, I agree. And something I, I want to highlight a bit of Jack as well is that obviously everyone knows about his impact on the pitch but he had such an impact off the pitch as well, even when he was injured. He convinced Tammy Abraham to stay, saying that once he'd returned, they'd go on a streak and they would get promoted. And that's exactly what happened. You know, He, he might be a, a wizard with a football, but it seems like he's a, he's a mystic in real life as well. Um, but he's... You know, 
the, the fact that he convinced Abraham to stay had such a huge impact on where we actually ended up because without half of Abraham's goals, we would have been nowhere near the playoffs. Yeah, you, you can't. No, no one can underappreciate what Tammy Abraham did for this football club over this past season. But yeah, Jack after after the game, he, uh, I think it was Sky. He told Sky like, um, "Yeah, I, I straight up lied to Tammy in January." Um, you know, you had all these, uh, and, and Villa fans didn't take it very seriously, the, the Wolves and Abraham links, but Jack confirmed it. That was almost a real thing. And Jack basically had to lie to Tammy, saying, oh, no, no, I'll be back at the end of January. You got to stay. We're going to link up. It's going to be great. We're going to get into the playoffs. Everything's going to be great. And Tammy ended up staying around, but I, Jack didn't come back at the end of January. I don't even think he was back at the end of February. He wasn't so, back until mid-March. Right, mid-March. So for me, like, you know, you're basically lying to this talent. And, you know, Tammy had it would have all right to be a little upset about it. It ended up working out in the end. But, yeah, like, you're right when you say that, you know, he's, he's a mystic of a man as well for being able to talk talk Tammy Abraham. You know, it's, it's not only just leaving Villa in January. It's leaving the Wolves. That would have been horrible to see that happen. And who knows where, where we what we talk about today if Tammy does end up leaving it and going the Wolves. So, yeah, Jack, Jack seems like he really has his head on his shoulders now. He's very, very focused. You know, it's going to be so, so nice to wear a, a Villa kit with the Premier League badges. <laughs> There's a couple quotes about it from a couple, you know, a couple people on Twitter and whatnot about, you know, oh, you know, I have two, you know, Skybet Championship badges for sale. Don't need them anymore, this and that. I mean, you got to respect where you came from and everything, but it's, it's just going to be such a, a great thing to see Villa back in the Prem. Regardless of what, regardless of what happens, I, I really think that uh, Villa's going to make a go of it. Not saying we're going to pull a Leicester and, and end up finishing first, but I, I, I think that we stay up. I, even with the additions that come in, I trust in Dean Smith. I, I trust in, in the whole staff to do the right thing and make smart, sound business decisions. People hate, hate hearing it, but football is a business at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident that we'll stay up. And I think, really... That's probably the best place to end this podcast. I don't want to delve too much into transfers and and the likes because we can save that for the summer. You know, it's only fourteen days into the transfer window, and it's only what four days since we've been promoted. You know, I want I want to be able to discuss this all summer, so I think we best leave it there. Um, I just like to correct myself before I do a little outro that it was early March that Jack returned, not mid March. Um, but no, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please give us a follow, um, or subscribe or rate us, you know, even if that's a one star, give us some constructive criticism. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Villa Lamp, uh, on Facebook forward slash under a gaslit lamp, Instagram at under a gaslit lamp. Um, you can view our website www.underagaslitlamp.com where you can view a load of opinion pieces, news uh, obviously you can catch up on the podcast if you've missed some episodes um, load of stuff but mainly we'd just like to thank you for the support that we've had this season and for continuing to read, digest and listen to our content throughout the season thank you very much and we'll see you soon <laughs>